Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirt on the Ground Show, the number one Rangers podcast. Make sure you tune in to find out all the latest news. Let's go Rangers! Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Blue Shirt Underground Show. Today is Tuesday. It's December 17th. Christmas is just eight days away. Excited for Christmas. Excited to be here. Excited to be joined by the one and only Eddie Geik. Eddie, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing uh, extremely well. I'm fighting a little bit of a flu bug, but I'm fighting through it. You got to fight through the injuries. Got to play hurt in this league. It seems like the New York Rangers have, uh, we haven't been been playing a lot of hockey. We haven't had a lot of time to talk. What, four games, I think, since we last talked or something like that. Uh, Yeah, four games, three on the road, three on that California trip. And then last night's uh, last night's officiating clinic at Madison Square Garden against the Nashville Predators. Yes, it was not uh, the NHL officiating's brightest moment last night. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I don't know. The Rangers are. Uh, I'm a little down on the Rangers a little bit, a little bit. But uh, I still have- are you? Yeah. All right. I really am, Jim. I mean, I know they got a lot of shots on goal, but it's what... Maybe that's bad. <laughs> maybe. maybe maybe not so much with the shots on goal. Maybe maybe it's better when they get outshot 40 to 21. I just feel like certain patterns are developing that I don't like. And Such as? Just, I feel is that when they, they generate scoring chances from... Like the perimeter, like way out. Nobody's closing in. And when they do close in towards the net, they opt to pass. And I feel like they've got to get closer in the dots rather than setting up for one-timers from the face-off circle and beyond. Oh, this uh, team, they love a one-timer, Joe. They love a one-timer. And <laughs> and also, when you have when you have your forwards, your, like your Criders and Lemieux, when they do go in front of the net – they're facing outward. 
and you you can't really get greasy goals that way unless you tip it in. Um, I don't like the way they don't pounce on rebounds on front of that because they're too spread out. Uh, so I uh, I think it's become a little too predictable. Um, and it's to me, I don't think they convert as much as they should, even strength. Um, but uh, you know that could be just a temporary thing. You got some guys who are mired in deep slumps right now, goal scoring slumps. You've got uh, Pavel Buknevich, who hasn't scored since Bouchard Banter's sight went up. <laughs> Got the goal. <laughs> You've got uh, Russia. It was still the Soviet Union the last time he scored. <laughs> All right, Capo Kako has has hit the wall. Uh, not had much success after the, coming back from the flu, but that's expected. I mean, Kreider finally gets on the board, but uh, his goal totals are really bad for the, as you're approaching the. 30 game mark here. This is a little bit concerning. And they don't really get much secondary scoring unless it's from the defenseman. Right. It's uh, Zabinajad and uh, and Ben Aaron. Right. Uh, this is concerned, but there's ebbs and flows to a season, so I'm not ready to extricate anybody from the lineup yet. Right. Uh, tough loss in Anaheim to close out that that West Coast swing, uh, tough, tough loss. That's a that was a tough way to lose that game, yeah. and uh, kind of left a bad taste in the Rangers' mouth coming home. They had a two nothing lead in that game. They were they were they came out ten seconds into the game. Mika's Zibanejad on a breakaway. Three minutes later, Panarin. Because if it's not Zibanejad, it's Panarin, and if it's not Panarin, it's Zibanejad. And then Zibanejad again in the third period gives him a three two lead, and then you get. Hampus Lindholm gets that late goal. His first like goal like in thirty games. Oh, at least, and then, yeah. and then the other guy. A month. It was the other guy, Eric Gabranson, who Gabranson, was, who's a tough his second guy. Goal. Yeah, yeah, I mean he's a tough guy. He's not even considered a goal scoring. He gets a goal, right? Like you said, it's you get a goal, you get it. anybody who's you know. Uh, it, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. And Hank didn't play too well in that game. Uh, no, no. Oh, no he no, got no. caught out of the net in that one that, goal. He looked that second terrible. goal. Bad. That that reminded me of a goal that Tim Thomas gave up when he was forty years old, and I knew it was over for Tim Thomas. And I said, a guy who has no business being out there is out there, and then he's swimming to get back into the net, and. And he didn't look so good in the shootout either. Um, nope, nope. And nope, the Rangers, nope, I think nope. sco- they scored the first shootout goal in that. So I was a little. Yes. The mo was in our uh, in our grasp. Uh, the win was in our grasp, and Zabanajad, of course, of course. And uh, they uh, they they blew it. <laughs> right, you blew it. I mean, yeah, that what, that Lundquist goal, that second one, holy cow! That was bad. <laughs> holy cow! What was he? And Joe immediately, immediately yeah, went into it. spin mode. Oh, he tripped. He hit, he hit a rut in the ice. And it, it, it was a bolt of lightning. It was an act of God. It was, it was causes belly. It was, it was this. It was everything. And then, and then he goes back. He watched it four times, and finally goes. Oh no, he didn't trip. 
<laughs> he didn't trip. Well, he wants to maintain that there will be a place for him in the Henry Conquest <laughs> organization. After, right. You know, the kids say anything bad about, hey, who knows? He could be the future GM of this team. Right. You got to We'll never get, you don't think, you think we'll get rid of him that easy? He'll be back. <laughs> be selling sodas if he keeps up those saves. Be selling the, the big foam finger. <laughs> So uh, just to uh, just to get the start the show off here. Good evening, to everybody that's here. I see uh, a lot of a lot of faces in the chat. Nick Adams is here. Johnny Prestano is here. Mario Morgado is here. Cutter's here. Costa's here. Salute. Uh, we have a guest this evening joining us in about a half hour. Uh, Jillian Kemmerer. She covers the KHL for Sport Express, and she covers hockey in China. So uh, Jillian's coming on the show. She's she's from New York, but uh, but she's covered the KHL and and uh, so we're gonna get some some uh, insight from her on this Kravtsov situation as well as a couple other things that she's done. So we're looking forward to talking to her. She'll be here in about a half hour. And uh, I want to tell you, you you mentioned Capo Caco, who last night Eddie found himself on the fourth line. Oh no, down there with. <laughs> with the, with Greg McKegg. <laughs> they who they interviewed every between the second and third period. Well, I'm sorry, but when that guy opens his mouth, all I expect to hear is Yeah, he's uh Makakakui. Yeah, he is his mouth is just gaping open. They are he has got some choppers. Holy cow. Yes. Well, you know, listen. They're probably artificial since he's an hockey player. Caps. It's his fourth set of caps. Uh, so anyway, so Capo Caco finds himself on the fourth line last night. And, you know, of course, just looking around. And this was a little bit in our own group, but a little bit on Twitter and a little bit on Facebook, a little bit here, a little bit there. Everybody's bitching line combos. What's with these line combinations? These line combinations. This coach can't make up his mind on line combinations. What coach let me, in, let, me in on, let me let you in on a little news flash here. Coaches change lines. Tortorella changed the lines all the time. AV changed the lines all the time. That's what coaches do. They don't change the lines. What else are they going to do behind the bench the whole game? What else are they going to do? They're drawing that little board. Like, come on. They got to change the lines. They got to mix things up. They got to earn their cash. Of course. I mean, it's one of those things they can do to show that they're doing something. (laughs) And he had, um, last night, he had, uh, he had, Lemieux was on the, I guess it was the, well, I don't know if it was the first line or the second line, but he had Lemieux playing with uh, Strom and Panarin. And I thought that line played really well. That's a good. That's Lemieux's got to be re-signed. He's got to be re-signed. Oh, I hope so. Uh, I hope so. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out what the hell we're in right now. Like, I don't know if I should get all, like, am I all in that they might make the playoffs? Or, or just am I going back to my original thought? Okay, again, it's Still relatively early in the season. But I think the Rangers are like a real like borderline playoff team now that we're in the thick of it. There's there's definitely better team. I mean, there's a lot better teams than them out in the league, but there there's a lot of crappy teams that I think they're better than. They just gotta show up and beat them. That Nashville game is a game they gotta win. 
Nashville right. is not good. Uh, and uh, but I knew but it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. I think I think Nashville exploited a glaring weakness with this team. The same thing Ottawa said. Nashville pushed them around last night, and the Rangers don't push back. They don't push back. Jesper Faust is laying on the ice, getting cross-checked, punched. God only knows what else was going on. Fondled, molested, getting his prostate checked down there. Nothing's called. The referee's standing right out, and nobody did a damn thing. I'll tell you something else that bothered me, and I don't know if anybody else saw this. I pointed out to Jen, and she just thinks they're they're all kind of gun-shy at this point. But, you know, there was a scrum in front of the Ranger goal. I think it was in front of the Ranger goal last night. Was, and all and of the five Rangers on the ice, four of them are in the crease, scrapping with Nashville players, and Capo Caco's standing about 15 feet away doing nothing. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Just standing there. I said, that's no bueno. No bueno. I don't know what's I don't know what's finished for no bueno, but we'll stick with no bueno. It's he not good. You got to get in there. He pulled an so, old Stalin. And, he pulled and, the Yari Grandstrand. And Jen said, "Well, what's he gonna What's he gonna do? What's he supposed to do?" I said, "I, I said I don't know, but you can't just stand there. Can't just stand there. You can't be standing there. That's a that's that's a as Sandy Alderson would say, that's a bad optic. That's a bad visual." When I see four Rangers in the crease and I see one guy standing by himself 15 feet away, no bueno. Do you really oh, want no, no, no. Really, really a first-round pick fighting? I don't want him fight. He doesn't have to be fighting, but you can't be 50, You can't be 10 feet away from your teammates. I don't. Come on. You can't. You can't. Get in there. Hold somebody. Come on. Nobody's fighting. Nobody fights. That's true. Even Buknevich will get like in one of those grabbing things. Josh Gimble pointed out last night that the Rangers lead the, the NHL in fighting majors. How the hell did that happen? It's Brendan Lemieux. What are, what are they? What are they leading the league with fighting majors with two? No, Lemieux's got a lot. Brendan Smith's Lemieux? got a lot. I guess a couple. And in a game like last night, that's another question that I would have. In a, in a, in a game like last night, where the Rangers are visibly getting pushed around, why is Brendan Smith not getting any ice time last night? Brendan Smith's a guy that's going to get out there and, you know, administer a little discipline when it's necessary. But when I looked at the third period, he only had five minutes of ice time. Let me see what he had. Let me see what he wound up with. Boy, I didn't hear his name much last night. He had 12. He actually wound up with 12 minutes of ice time. Last on the team, though. And he plays two positions. Chris Kreider only had 11 minutes of ice time last night. Womp, 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 womp. Yeah, I mean, yes, the Rangers got pushed around, and they never initiate the craziness. That's always annoys me. They're not the one that pushes anybody around. Right. I feel like the defensemen get freaking obliterated, too. Like, Hayek, like, he was getting, like, knocked down every other night. Lindgren now takes a beating daily. It's like, uh, I wish Shea would be taking more of a beating. (laughs) (laughs) But these guys have taken a beating, and there's been – I mean, how tough the Rangers have a lot of let's let's put it nicely, skill players. Right. They don't have a lot of like we said, big brawny Canadian grit players, farm uh, boys, farm boys. We don't we we haven't had that for a long time. If we've ever had that, usually we import them from New Jersey or New York or. Philadelphia or somewhere around then. Right. They haven't really had uh, Jody Shelley. 
Yeah, well, Nick Fatiu or Brandon Prust. And Prust we trust. Right. He was a good ranger. He was. He was yeah, a he good was ranger. He was a very good ranger. Well, I'll tell you, we forget about him. He was a good ranger. Presbyterians. The Presbyterian Church. Yes. Love those guys, type of type of guys. Hello. It's hard to find those guys with skill, but you see these losers, these other teams. Uh, Hi. What was the guy on uh, who we played? Was it last night? Rocco Scapolini? Rocco Rocco Grimaldi? You think he's Italian or what? I mean, the guy's a loser. <laughs> and, 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 and McLean's like, he's fast. Well, he better be at 5 I mean, again, no anti-Italian bias, but that guy's a loser. They had like nine guys on them last night. I didn't know who the hell they were. Uh, it's like, I wonder why they're bad. They've got injuries, and they still lose to them. Uh, Rocco Grimaldi scored a goal. Of, of course. course. Of course, Ryan Ellis had to score a goal after he after he obliterates Butchnevich. Yes. Uh, two minutes. How how that's a two-minute penalty, I have no idea. And, of course, no discipline from the league. I mean, honestly, this league can go fuck itself. When they talk about when they talk about protecting players, the NHL Department of Player Safety, whatever they call that phony thing, that's a joke. That's a joke. That's window dressing, as they say. I think their intention is to protect the players, but the execution by the referees is so bad that they – I don't know what they see in that. That should a guy should have gotten five and thrown out of the game. Right. And then you see the Buknevich just lying there and heaping mess. And I'm hoping he's getting up and then he gets up and he's still, you know, he's got that frown, you know, you know oh, he's all right. Right. Grumpy cat, as you call him. Grumpy cat. Captain Happy. Captain Happy. <laughs> Mr. Warmth. Mr. Warmth. You know, uh, and just so many bad calls last night. Again, you, uh, you don't want to hang it on a, all in the referee, but the refereeing was especially the officiating was. It's always terrible. It's never good, right? It's just like at every sport, basically. Now, uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know if there's more focus or more cameras on everything, but uh, they miss an awful lot of the game. But you know, and you know, Val, I'm I'm not again. I'm not, not going to blame the referees for the loss last night. But Valaket made a good point. Uh, and he, you know, if that if that hit, I think it's the it, he was talking about the hit on Butchnevich. If that's a five minute penalty, like it should have been, then the uh, I think it was the Ekholm goal, or maybe it was the Yossi goal in the second period. One of them never happens because the because they're killing off a five minute major, right? Impact so referee. It, it did make an impact. Yes. And and I don't understand that referee that's standing over Jesper Faust while he's getting cross checked and punched, and he's looking at him, and there's no call. I I don't I don't know how you justify that. I don't know how you explain that. And he's sitting there like shrugging, like oh, like like almost like a smug thing, like nothing to see here. How about that? How about that puck that Panarin shot that's that spun out on the goal line? Have you ever seen that oh, happen before? Never. I've been watching forty. I've been watching hockey forty years. I don't think I've ever seen that happen. Spin backwards. 
Right. And just lay there. And that could have been a big turning point of the game, too. Could have. But, you know. Yeah, it was. uh, Did you see uh, Sam made one? He apologized for it. He called Ryan Ellis, uh, Dan Ellis, the former goalie of the Predators. Yeah, so did I about six times. So I'll, I'll excuse Sam at that one. Yeah. I actually. I, I once went to a ranger. Predators. I ain't got to know their names. Exactly. Well, the only reason <laughs> I remember this dummy's name, Dan Ellis, Doc Ellis, is because Doc Ellis. I went to a Ranger game, and maybe uh, what is this gonna be? I'm gonna say 2010, 2009, maybe. Rangers played Nashville at the Garden. Snow like a blizzard is coming in. But I sucker my cousins to go to the game with me. They live in Queens. Right. Snow. It's like six inches of snow down. I remember that game. It was like nobody in the building, right? Nobody. It was like six thousand. Right. If that. It was like a, like an island game. Right. <laughs> like it was at the Coliseum, the Barclay Center. And it's the only time I seen that they had half price on beer. Because <laughs> they had so little people there, they needed to somehow make some kind of money. Right. And Dan Ellis got a shutout against the Rangers. It was one of the worst games. And my late cousin Anthony was yelling, How could they lose to Nashville? <laughs> like that. <laughs> they suck. It's Nashville. Nashville. <laughs> He's in a tizzy. It was, uh, yeah, I wonder what, what that was. Maybe you guys could figure that game up. But uh, it, it was such a mess for me to get back to the island. We had to, it was like a caravan on the Long Island Expressway. One car led and one car followed. And we went like 30 miles an hour all the way to Long Island. And so all the cars on the side that didn't make it. So. I was just looking at this article about the Scott Klein endorsed, who, if you didn't hear, he was a Ranger defenseman in the early 80s. And uh, he he died yesterday or today, I guess. And um, he he uh, was in a workplace accident? Yeah, he flew out of a crane. He flew out of a crane. Is that what happened? Yeah. That's a... I mean, out of all the ways you could predict the way you're going to die, flying out of a crane, right? being ejected from a crane seat. Heavy machinery accident on December 7th. This guy's 59 years old. He played in the NHL. What the hell is he doing running heavy machinery in, in Duluth, Minnesota? Well, yeah, he didn't play he all just, that long, right? He played with the Whalers. Eight years. He had an eight-year career, according to... He had a Porsche. Porsche. He had a Porsche. It was stolen. But he, he had a Porsche. Uh, Scott Klein. Got to make sure I spell his name right. I'm looking up his his uh, numbers here. Let's see. Uh, there we go. Hockey reference. Uh, 281 NHL games, 12 goals, 46 assists. Yeah, eight years. Rangers, Hartford, and then finished up with the Capitals. Oh. What was his stats with the Rangers? Was he was he a pim guy? He had a lot of penalty minutes. Uh, one year in Hartford, he did. Hundred and thirty penalty minutes. And he was a uh, how tall? He was tall. 
215. Uh, yeah, in those days, that used to be tall. Well, now it's, still, now pretty it's, good yeah, it's still pretty tall now, but I mean, like, still pretty good. you know, nowadays, uh, I guess 6'3 is pretty tall still. But I just remember he was on, wasn't he on that 80-81 team? Uh, he was 82-83, 83-84 with the Rangers. And was traded. Here you go. Here's let's. There we go. He was traded to Hartford. Who did the Rangers get in return? Eighty-two, eighty-three. I go uh, Mike Rogers. No, 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 no. Pretty good player they got back from. Not with the Rangers, of course, but he was a pretty good player. Uh, I don't know. Fifty goals. Former fifty goal scorer. Oh, Blaine Stoughton. Blaine Stoughton. Wow. Absolutely correct. Blaine Stoughton, who then went on to score five goals as a Ranger in 14 games and retire. That was a pretty good pace, though. <laughs> yeah, how does that work out to? I guess the 20, it's a 23-goal season, maybe? I guess. Better than Chris Kreider. Better than Chris Kreider. Actually, he had 23 goals with Hartford when the Rangers traded for him. And he got five more with the Rangers, but then he retired. So he, was, he had a 28-goal season the final year of his career. He had absolutely no defense to his game, that guy. He was a total shooter. And a good one. Played for the Cincinnati Stingers, the WHA. Oh, yes, yes. yes. Wow. We haven't had any former WHA players on, at least lately. No. We got to find a way to get Anders Hedberg on here. Uh, yeah, that would be great. Now that I'm, I'm getting his jersey. I'm pretty. Uh, Jeff's asking me, was it Dan Ellis? Uh, yeah, it was Dan Ellis. Maybe they gave a goal. You would have to look at attendance, Jeff, because it was like. Yeah, look for winter games. Look at the attendance. Yeah, and it probably really a was. middle of the week game, right? Probably. Yes, yes. Because they typically don't play games against teams like the Predators on the weekends. You know, those are usually the weeknight games. They... Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, not so funny, but you hear these names that you once knew, and you're like, wow, that guy died. That goes that way. Scott right. I guess there just isn't a lot of money from those guys like post-hockey. Especially just, if you bank it. Yeah, it's just sad that this guy was almost 60 and was still running heavy machinery in the winter in Minnesota. You know, you, I guess that's just the way it is. The reality of it is that money doesn't last. And if you don't manage your money or have something to fall back on, yeah. you know, like. We've but like you said, you know, back then in the in the '80s, a guy like Chris uh, Scott Kleinendorf wasn't going to make a lot of money. No, you know, he wasn't adding anything. You know, he was. I a, mean, now even an eight-year, even a marginal defenseman who has an eight-year career in the NHL is going to make money. Yeah, Neil Pionk's going to make a good chunk of change. <laughs> Just look at Mark Stahl. Ah, oh, come on. Oh, I had to go there. Penalty killing looking much better with Mark. Back. Patty Duke makes a good point. Probably needed the many the, the benefits. Absolutely, you're right. That's true. You're right. It's just I I still find it 
infinitely sad that these guys, you know, get to 60 years old and still have to run the heavy machinery in Duluth in the winter. Yes. Oh. <clears throat> uh, so uh, how did you think Georgie Boy played yesterday? Not great. Not great. Yeah, I didn't think he had an especially good game either. Uh, I mean, uh, Nashville only had 20 shots, 23 shots, something like that. Uh, I think he was great. I thought 24 shots on goal. I thought, I thought at least two of the goals were were stoppable. Yeah, he, he wasn't great, but you know, he just he he just got outplayed by Soros Soros at the other end, who hasn't played well. And then you know, last night, of course, he finds his game. Yes, and uh, yeah, of course. Well. That happens a lot against the Rangers. Right. And I'm sure we're going to talk to our guest uh, soon about the other big news, the return of Vitaly Kravtsov. Yes, playing Back in Hartford fall. tonight. Yeah, I've got a lot of questions for her because I, I'm so confused by what's gone down and what could go down and uh, how to – What's Shesterkin's deal too? Like next year, I I, th- I think it's he can leave next year if he wants. I I don't know what's I'm just confused. Well, it would appear that Georgiev isn't going anywhere at least in the immediate future. Then we've got to go back to the old school three goalie rotation. I thought about it today. So Tart Davidson and Wayne Thomas, baby. You got three goalies. Why not three goalies? Hank can start on Thursdays. Georgiev gets the gets the Tuesdays and Wednesday games, and Shesterkin starts the weekends. There you go. What? Well, I mean, uh, I don't understand. It's a very simple equation. They don't need these extra players. We already have Brendan Smith plays two positions. There, you already got it filled. Right. Uh, let's see. He linked me. I got I got linked. Who linked you? I gotta look it up. Uh yeah. Um Cutter. Oh. 82-83, the Rangers used five different goalies. Wow. Eddie Mio. On, on purpose. Eddie Mio, Steve Weeks, Glenn Hanlon, J D, and Steve Baker. <laughs> Steve the hat trick maker baker. <laughs> this is the game. We yeah. got it? Yeah. When was it? It was 2010. 2010. Tortorello Feb- was the head coach. February 10th, 2000. Wow, Enver Leeson was on the team. Oh, Enver Leeson, Joe. Oh, oh, the, oh, what the day. Oh, the days. What's He found it. So what was the final score? Was it was it a final, shutout or it was not? It was a two to one game. Two one. Uh, and the Rangers, of course, had uh, thirty eight shots. Uh, thirty seven went in. And, and who was in that Ranger lineup? It was uh, Drury and Blair Betts, Callahan, Dubinsky, Brandon Prust, Vinny Prost, Vinny Prospel. Roosevelt. Uh, Roosevelt. Oh, boy. Oh, 
UPS is here, I think. This isn't a very good team. They weren't a very good team. It says the attendance was 13,000. No way. No way. No way. Uh, Maybe they counted everybody twice. (laughs) All right, here's some... uh, Here's some facts about this fucking game. Corey Potter. Corey Potter. Colonel Potter. Colonel Potter. Sherman T. Potter. Horse hockey. Justin Freed's favorite power play specialist, Eric Christensen. No, it's Nick Tertilli likes Eric Christensen. Oh, Nick Tertilli, sorry. Yes. Uh, Wow, that's just a fucking lot of losers in this game. Dan Hamuse (laughs) still playing. Wasn't he? Isn't he on? Was he on Nashville last last isn't night? He, isn't he still on Nashville? How long has this guy been playing? He's hundreds and hundreds of years old. Sixteen years. Wow. He is thirty-seven years old, and he was with Nashville from two thousand three to two thousand ten. Then went to Vancouver and Dallas, and then back to Nashville for the last two seasons. 32, no, I'm sorry, that's incorrect, uh, 59 career goals in the NHL. Wow. Ham hands Bill. Ham hands Bill. Oh, Robin. <laughs> Robin. <laughs> so- oh, my Robin. <laughs> Nobody so- said you were useless, Cutsy. Never. Never said that. I'll put words in my mouth, you jackass. <laughs> oh, my. Right? It's getting violent. <laughs> um, so uh, the Rangers went 2-1-1 one, and one on the road trip. Right. Not bad. No, not bad at I, all. I mean, we've seen some disastrous West Coast trips in our time. I felt like they should have grabbed more points. Uh, but listen, it was it was salvageable. I know Paul Gaduzzi was not happy with the loss of the Kings. I don't know, Paul. Why are you so invested against the Kings? To me, when we lose to them, it's just like, ah, we lost to them. They're one of those teams that just seems to beat us every time we play them. Right. Well, he, that's there's there's still pain there. He was living there, so he had to suffer through those finals. Oh, uh, and so let's see. We have a combination of when he lived; the, he had to live there through those finals. They got beaten in those finals, and I believe his uh, the former his former girlfriend is a is a Kings fan. And you add that all up, and you just don't want to see the Kings do. You don't want to see anything good out of them. Yes, yeah, speaking of Ilya Kovalchuk. Whoa. Released. He was sitting. He sat for fifteen or sixteen straight games. Yeah, something like that. This healthy scratch for sixteen games until uh, until he had until you know until they had enough. That's maybe that's what another team should do with an aging superstar. Ah, here it here, here we go. No, I yeah. meant Mark Stahl. Oh, what? Well, Mark Stahl's not that bad. I know because I really didn't mean Mark Stahl. Oh, <laughs> oh, you were being sarcastic. That was just a little misdirection. Ah, it's a flea. I ran a flea flicker there. Yeah, um, yeah. Hank oh. was not good in Anaheim. That one where he got caught out of the net. Terrible, terrible. It's terrible, Mikey. It's terrible, terrible. Bad job. Subject to arrest. 
Jeffrey Mayer should not be allowed in the ballpark. <laughs> they say it before every game. Do not interfere. You will be subject to a West. One of the great all-time rants when Mad Dog goes off on Jeffrey Mayer for interfering in, I think, game two of a Yankee playoff series. Against Baltimore? Kids like what ten years old? Yeah, he's the, he's the, he's the ridicule of a. Let's him locked up, right? Subject to the West. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. Right, <laughs> back after this. Sports uh, Radio sixty six. The fan. To uh, the fan. The fan. Uh, so uh, yes. But you know what? I kind of knew that they were going like, to lay an egg Monday because they're coming back like a road trip. They're getting in, and it just looked like, I don't know. But they, like, I don't know. But they got a lot of shots on goal. But you're saying that's not the recipe? I, well, I don't know. <laughs> it didn't seem to do them any damn good. Everybody's bitching night in, night out that they're getting out shot, and then they, they, they're the – Outshooters instead of the outshootees. What good does it do them? So stick with the twelve. I'd rather have twenty quality shots than thirty-eight shots from from the circles through the top of the circles. Yeah. Oh, but you were you they the one timers. Holy Christ! Everybody's down on one knee, just waiting to sweep that one timer. More sticks breaking and shattering. The sticks are flying when they break on the ice, and so much torque on those one timers. It's like ridiculous. (laughs) So Benajad broke his stick last night. Uh, Yeah, it's a one timing. I've never seen the Rangers attempt more one timer. Ah. Howie said some people are down on Book Davis. Well, he hasn't. What would we say? He hasn't scored since uh, the, the, since the, the Iron Curtain. Since the Iron Curtain, <laughs> it's been a while. Maybe he should go back to the KHL. No, no? I, I, I you like, like his. You like his nineteen points. <laughs> when you put it that way, and he had like nine assists. You like his five goals. Uh. Wait a minute. Paul Slyker is now posting stuff from other websites. This is not David Quinn's team. Who is it then? Who's team? <laughs> it's uh, David Soul's team. Well, whose team is this? <laughs> David Soul. <laughs> Don't give up on us, baby. Book <laughs> uh, damage can be frustrating. I think I know we spent a lot of time saying he's overrated, and I think he surely is by some fans. I don't uh, think he's overrated. I just, I just. You think uh, he's intoxicating? Uh, no, I, I, I don't really. I, uh, I don't know. Uh, he just is. He's he is what he is. You know, he's dazzling at times, frustrating at others. Well, he's, I he's Kovalev. He's Kovalite. Well, I think it's Paul Slyker. I think what Paul Slyker's maybe alluding to. Did you see the feature where they showed the Rangers coaches going over tape? Yeah, I thought that, I liked that. I thought that was interesting. But you know, it was you didn't like it. Oh, 
uh, now how he's triggering me. How he's <laughs> why? Because people getting triggered? are out the progress of Buknevich versus Anthony Duclair, who has almost 20 goals. Oh, Anthony Duclair. I said it last year. Why don't we bring this guy back for a year? It's not going to cost much. Nobody, everybody said, Jim, you're crazy. Well, he's 25. He's played on six teams. Well, sooner or later, he's either going to get it or he's not. All it costs you is money. They don't have that. <laughs> We've always got money. All right. Jillian's here. You want to talk to Jillian? Go sure. Ahead. Let's talk uh, to Jillian. I got a lot of questions. <laughs> you got lots of questions. All right. Let's bring Jillian in. Let's see. Here she comes. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, making her debut appearance from uh, she writes for Sport Express, among other things. She covers the KHL. Jillian, I hope you get your last name right. Kemmerer. Do I have that right? Nailed okay, it. good. Welcome to the show, Jim and Eddie, with you here on a Tuesday night. Good evening. Thanks for being here. How are you doing? Good evening. I'm good. I hear you have a lot of questions, so I hope I have a lot of answers. <laughs> yes, the man in the middle says he has lots of questions for you. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess the first thing is, is uh, well, Vitaly Krasov is back in the fold. Um, can you? What happened during the initial send-down to Hartford? There seemed to be a lot of conjecture on... He was unhappy there. Uh, do you have any idea what happened with the initial send down? And I don't know. I thought he uh, – can you kind of like uh, – Yeah. So the initial send – first of all, I have to say watching him in Rangers preseason, I didn't think he bombed by any means. No, he did very well, I think. I'm not surprised he was sent down given kind of the Rangers bullpen that's sitting there. But – you know, he had a decent a decent preseason. He gets sent down. I guess the ego gets a little bruised. But what's interesting is that we don't know a whole lot about how the send down was communicated to him. But he gave an interview in Russia when he came back. And this interview was really bizarre. So he didn't really say anything particularly nasty about the Rangers. But he was asked to explain how his treatment in Hartford was communicated to him. And he said that... He was on a stationary bike in some kind of physical exercise, and they set a beats per minute target for him for whatever his expected effort was. And he said that that target that they set for him, and I forget what the exact number was, was a target that he never makes no matter how hard he's exerting himself. And I spoke with a couple strength and conditioning coaches in the KHL, and I said, is this a possible scenario? And they said, yeah, of course. But he attributes the fact that he got benched to the fact that he wasn't meeting his maximum maximum effort on a stationary bike. And that's how he feels that, you know, he was his decision to be benched was was ultimately made. And a lot of people that I've spoken with in strength and conditioning are saying, well, sometimes those numbers are used to evaluate maximum effort, but it seems kind of ridiculous that any kind of benching decision would have been made on the basis of it. So my question is, Vitaly Krasov doesn't really speak English. How were things being communicated to him? You know, what expectations were being set? And and ultimately, why did he think he got benched versus why did Hartford actually bench him? And we never got a clear answer on either side, in my opinion. The the, um, the Rangers have, uh, with uh, Capo Caco getting used to his first year in the NHL, they've had a, they've had a, uh, who was it, Tumo Ruto? Is that who it was, yeah. Eddie? Ex-player, yeah. Right, an ex-player kind of kind of hanging around and guiding Kako. Did, did Kravtsov have anybody like that, or was he just kind of dependent on the other Russian players? As far as I understand, there I, I haven't heard about any particular Russian assigned in Hartford helping some of these guys get adjusted. 
it's possible. I know that in and around the Rangers locker room, you actually have some of the daughters of the 94 Rangers around, like um, Lisa Nemchinova is actually Artemi Panarin's translator. So there are people in and around the locker room that are really helping Mm. with the Russian Rangers getting acclimated. And personally, when Vitaly first came over, I might have preferred to see him in Madison Square Garden, not getting great top line minutes, but attached to the hip with Artemi Panarin, because I think that the comfort level would have been there. There's a fair amount of Russian being spoken in that locker room, but in Hartford, we don't really know. And Sergei Fedorov, I just spoke with him about a month or a month and a half ago. He's the GM of the Moscow team, say a sky that he defected from 30 years ago. He's now dealing with a stable of prospects that are actually getting ready to come over to North America. And I said to him, I'm like, what do you think happened here? And his personal opinion is that He says, I've seen Russian kids come over to North America and disappear all the time. It's that no expectations get set for them before they actually arrive. So they have their parents, they have their agent. Vitaly Kravtsov is from the far east of Russia. I I don't think his parents were necessarily trained in the hockey system the way like Jack Hughes's family would have been, you know, his debut. And, you know, he probably didn't have anyone saying to him, look, when you get there, this is what the AHL is like, the long bus rides, this is the possibility that you're going to be sent down, here's an estimate for how long you might get set down for, no matter how you perform at preseason. I don't know who counseled him, but Fedorov said he thinks it was a question of expectations not being set. So yeah. it, it almost sounds like it was kind of a failure on everybody's part. Yeah, I mean, Kravtsov is 19 years old. I'm not saying that he's not a professional. He's been a professional for a couple of seasons and you expect him to behave like one, but he is still 19 years old and he's a 19 year old with a huge language barrier and a North American culture barrier. Because when you look at a guy like Igor Shostyorkin, for example, who's absolutely killing it in the AHL, he came from Ska St. Petersburg. Ska plays on North American sized ice. They're used to training up NHL prospects, Panarin, Gusev, they all pass through Ska. And the leadership there is North American minded. Like Roman Rottenberg, who I think his title is deputy chairman. I was just with him a month ago and he was telling me that they're developing a new stadium and they're taking elements of that stadium design from Madison Square Garden. And he's thrilled that he's training up NHL talent or Russian national team talent. So Igor's coming from a place that number one is playing on the North American sized ice, which for a goaltender especially is a big deal. But two, they're used to getting guys ready to go over to North America, even to their own detriment of their lineup. Tractor Chelyabinsk is not exactly that. Okay, so now, what? So in the KHL, forgive me, but I I don't know much about the KHL aside from Ranger players that go there. So in the KHL, there are different rink sizes, the different teams. Yeah, and it's about to change. pretty much universally to North American or close to North American sized ice. But right now teams play on three different ice sizes, the Olympic size, which is 30 by 60, the Finnish size, which is um, more of a hybrid. It's, it's uh, 20, it's 28. And then you have another smaller one that's closer to North American, which is 26. Tractor plays on the 30. Tractor plays on the biggest possible ice you can play in the KHL. So if you look at a guy who's been trained at SCA versus a guy who's been playing at trained at tractor, you know, you have an adjustment to make. And, and these guys have to make these adjustments night in, night out, depending on where they're playing. And, and that's right. Okay. That was going to be my next question. So theoretically, like a, a guy like Shostyorkin, he could play on one ice surface one night, tomorrow night he's on another one, and then Saturday he's on another one. Yeah. Which, which for a whole time is Yeah. And to me, that makes it even more incredible that he's tearing it up in Hartford because there's been well, – he's used to the ice surface, but there's it's just the one ice surface. He doesn't have to – yeah, you know, that's, I think that's pretty, pretty. 
pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's amazing what these goaltenders have to do. Actually, Dusty Emu, the goaltending coach for the LA Kings, who coached them through the Stanley Cup championships most recently, he's now over in the KHL and he tries to tell his goalies that it's mind over matter. But mm -hmm. when you look at the way that the goaltenders play, the way Russian goaltenders play, there is a marked difference because they grow up on that bigger ice. So, I mean, I don't know how they do it night in, night out. Right. Well, don't you think there's some culpability with the Rangers to have people in place for these guys who are coming over from Russia and have this? I mean, it's 2020. We have coaches for every kind of physical thing. We have sports psychologists. They really should have someone in place that can kind of be a guide. And I know they're not a, a, a can't be like an agent and tell them what to do, but to say like, Lay out the groundwork. This is how it's going to go. Uh, now, I thought Krasner should have made the team out of out of out of camp. I thought he played well enough, but it turned out Heedle, uh, I thought played well as well. But he got sent down. It almost seems like you know the kid probably thought. I mean, I don't know. He thought he was going to make the team, and uh, you know, I did see that hearts per minute beats per minute article. I kind of dismissed it because. A lot of times the translations don't go, you know, it, it's a little bit different than the case may be. But I really think it, it's uh, the Rangers should have had something, especially if they knew that was, this was coming. This is no surprise. They drafted right. this guy two, three years ago. This should have been uh, in place. So I don't – and I do agree with you. that The kid at that age, this is very overwhelming. I mean, if you drop me off in Russia, I would know how to get – you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to, you know, I'd probably find a place to eat, but about yeah, maybe. It, you know, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so I feel like the Rangers, uh, they're, you know, they may have dropped the ball a little bit. So now he's come back. What made him come back? Was it, he was being traded. Wasn't he in the midst of being traded? Well, okay. So back when he had his breakout rookie of the year season, when Tractor made the playoffs and he really got on the scene, there was talk that Scott St. Petersburg was interested in him. And if I wanted to see him anywhere in the KHL, perhaps even more than I'd want to see him in Hartford, I'd want him to see him at a team like Scott because he'd have to earn his minutes. If he got them, Scott's sitting at the top of the Western Conference right now. He'd be surrounded by prospects, by NHL alums, by good coaches. And I would say, okay, like this is a good place for a New York Rangers prospect to develop. There was no clear cut reason why Vitaly got sent down to the VHL. When I first heard about it, I started calling other KHL head coaches. And I was like, what do you think's going on here? And it just so happened that he was sent down during the international break, which is um, in December, there's a, it's called Pirvi Canal Channel One. They have a cup. It's like the Russian national team, the Finnish national team. So a lot of KHL players are getting called to their national teams to compete. So the KHL always goes on break. And that's exactly around the time that he got sent down. So I was actually thinking, all right, Maybe he only got sent down to get some playing minutes while the national team's playing. And that's actually what a couple of KHL coaches said to me. They said, there's no way he's staying down when he comes, you know, when everybody comes back from break because Tractor Chelyabins is at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. They are not in a position to be sending a top New York Rangers prospect 
to their VHL affiliate. Now there's been a coaching change. It's not the same team that Vitaly came in with. And he felt really comfortable with the coaches that he used to be with. And that's actually one of the motivations for why I think he thought maybe I'll go home. I'll be more comfortable. I'll be surrounded by, by at least teammates that I know. But the coaching change, it's obviously caused a bit of a rift because when he got sent down, one of the leaders of Tractor said that the kid was basically, the word he used was disassembled, but essentially he meant like emotionally broken after coming back from North America. And, you know, whether or not that's true, I don't know, but I didn't necessarily think it was a good look that the worst team in the Eastern Conference is talking about one of their their top young prospects like that. And right. not only that, but, you know, Kravtsov, after he gets sent down, there's a little bit of talk about trades, but I think ultimately he probably said to himself, I'm better off in Hartford getting minutes. And he terminated his contract with Tractor. So he didn't just come back to Hartford. He terminated his KHL contract. So this kid is here to stay. And I think it may have been a little bit of a come to Jesus moment when he winds up in Orsk, Russia, playing for the VHL, which is not competitive. And you certainly wouldn't want to be on Tractor's VHL team, that's for sure. I think that's the key. That's the key bit of information that he terminated his his contract, which means he's here to stay. There's no more opting out now. With Chess Jorkin down the line, is his year of opting to go back to Russia next year? Do I have that right? He, I know for sure, he has a European assignment clause in his contract. I thought I, I could be wrong. I thought he could exercise it as soon as this season, but he said in an in an interview right before he arrived, it was with Sport Express that he was happy to play in the AHL. So I think he knew full well, given you know what the Rangers have in net, that he was not going to be playing in Madison Square Garden from day one, and he accepted that. Right. Have you ever interviewed Kraftsoff personally or um, Shestjorkin? Jillian froze on us. She frozen on your side there? Yeah. We'll bring right. her back right after this message. Right. Oh, let's. Here's, I think she's already back. Here's. Let's see. Here she comes. Okay, oh there you are. Yeah, you froze. You froze up on us. That's okay. The Russians have intervened. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so, okay, you asked me if I'd interviewed them. I haven't spoken with either of them. I'm hoping to speak with them this season now that they're both here. Um, Kravtsov's done a couple interviews um, in the KHL. He especially was doing them after his rookie season. He talked a lot about developing confidence that rookie season. It seems to be the thing that's still dogging him right now. Um, overall, he comes across as a really articulate and, and kind of impressive guy. He has this really interesting theory that, you know, if Ely, I don't know if you remember, there was a, a kid named Ely Tolvanen who was a, a really great prospect. He's now at the Admirals, but he's a, a Preds prospect. And he had a great season as well when Vitaly had his great rookie season. And Vitaly said, you know, I had a great playoffs, but if Ely Tolvanen wants the Rookie of the Year award, I'm, I'm happy to hand it to him. Like, he was just as good. So the kid comes across as, like, kind of smooth, humble, and he said – I don't want to be a meat and potatoes hockey player. I want to be something along the lines of a Pavel Datsuk or even he even mentioned Lionel Messi. So he wants to be a creative Russian forward. But if you want to be a creative forward, you have to have confidence. I mean, he drafted higher than Alexei Kovalev. Like if you want to follow in those footsteps, you've got to have the mental stamina to back it up. And I'm really hoping that Hartford doubles down on getting that that set with him because he has the skill, like undoubtedly has the skill. Yeah. 
and I think maybe coming to a coach who is, you know, is kind of a yeoman, he, he's more, he gravitates to the more yeoman-like player, the lunch pail player, he might gotten disenfranchised at the first, the first thing they think is defense. You got to play defense. You got to come back. And, and, uh, but I, I think, uh, I, I like what you're saying about this kid. I just was wondering who, who was in his ear to make these bad decisions. And then he's taken down his Instagram posts. And then I heard that's kind of like something that he's been doing. You know, he does, he does this. Yeah. Is this some kind of phenomenon that has, you know, that, that happens with the younger players today, or is this, Something he does. The the takedown was interesting. The only thing I'll say, and I have nothing to back this up, is I almost wonder if Tractor asked him to. They may not have. He may have just been a, a emo nineteen year old who was like, "I'm gonna erase all memories of my ass, <laughs> move on." And he's not me. So I mean, who knows why I he love made the Rangers? It. I love the Rangers. Not. I love the Rangers. I love the Rangers. Not. I'm gonna show them. I'm gonna take down all their pictures. Right. And then, right. Yeah, you want me? You know what I mean? But. I, I don't know. I don't know why he does it. He has now um, put it back. So, yes. You know. We always forgive it. That, that's, bury, that's the Mark Messier bury the hatchet ceremony circa 2019. <laughs> that's how you do it now. You put the Rangers back on your Instagram. I mean, well, it, is, have you heard? Is Now that he's back in Hartford, all, you know, he, he's happy. He's going to run for mayor of Hartford. He couldn't be happier. He's thrilled. Is he, Have you heard, like, what's he going to do? What's going to be done differently this time? We're going to make this work. We're going to, you know, like I said, he's going to be Mr. Hartford. Well, how are we going to make this? He's going to have Hartford insurance. He's going to, you know, I mean, he's going to be at supermarkets cutting the ribbons. How are we going to make <laughs> this work? Babies, this yeah. um, well, here's the thing. I, I think, number one, he actually did start, and I, he may have sought them out before, but he sought out Nigel Dawes who was a, a New York Rangers draft pick, who's now, play, he's like Mr. Oh, yeah. Gel, leading expat scorers. I mean, I think he's second overall in points in the history of the modern KHL. I mean, Nigel Dawes is owning the KHL. Wow. And he's been playing with Pavel Datsuk in Yekaterinburg. So that's a really interesting squad to keep an eye on. But apparently right around the time that Kravtsov first came back, Oftimobilist, um, Nigel Dawes' team played Tractor. And Vitaly sought him out and was talking to him. And I think now that Vitaly's been to North America and he's also seen the disaster that he walked back into, and I didn't even mention this, but Tractor is doing so badly and the fans are so pissed off that they're writing these mass letters encouraging everyone to boycott because they're saying, like, tickets are misappropriated, the team's mismanaged. So, like, this is – he walked back into a shit show. And he probably knew – you know, to some extent that that was true, but I think it may have solidified when he got back. It's obvious that management doesn't have his back if they're making comments about him being broken, which I think is just so totally out in left field. So, you know, I think he may have better expectations, but Sergei Fedorov said to me, he was like, if this kid wants to make it, he's got to have a plan every single game. And I'm, I'm really hoping that this little pause has encouraged him to be like a bit more mindful with the Hartford experience, but hopefully Hartford's made some changes too. Good. Yeah, Hartford so Tractor, is- Eddie, it sounds like Tractor is the Mets of the KHL. Yeah, the fans boycotting, they're writing letters. Well, now I heard the, yeah. the Will Pond Zone Tractor. <laughs> yes. Um, that's pretty, uh, it's, it's amazing. And throughout the history of the KHL, there have been so many players who came over, and even Russian players who played junior but could not make the transition into the NHL. And and I've always been, and a couple of other people that we have on the show that, that, that 
to tune in. I've always had a drawn to the Russian player, the Russian mystique. Yeah. And uh, what do you think is one of the main causes that the Russian player doesn't succeed? Is it uh, the expectations, the uh, – or is it just it, the reasons vary? It could be anything. I think – so looking, now that we look at the modern NHL, and this is going to change dramatically over the next few years because the Russians are changing how they develop players and the KHL is going to North American-sized ice. But you had guys who grew up in the Soviet system who played in the style of the Russian five of the Detroit Red Wings, who happened to all be brought over together. They played on the same line. And so they were able to play that intricate passing play, the super creative hockey, all about possession, not necessarily about physicality. Although when you look at a guy like Konstantinov, he was very physical. It's yeah. not like the Russians can't be physical. Dirty too. But yeah, then they, they played, you know, they, they played a very special brand of hockey. And it's right. a brand of hockey I love. It's a brand of hockey that in today's NHL, given the speed and the physicality, it doesn't always work. It doesn't always translate. So you had that element that I think played into it for a while. But even today, I think some of it also has to do with language barrier and just completely different cultures in the locker room. If you go to a, a Russian hockey game, these guys don't talk on the ice. The North Americans are chirping at each other constantly. So when you, you're a Russian, you come over, all of a sudden you're being asked to communicate on the ice. Maybe you don't pick up to speed as quickly. So I can see reasons why there would be an issue. But you know, the goaltenders tend to do okay when they come over, as long as they learn how to manage their angles off of the kind of big Olympic ice. But the forwards, they have to find a way to combine the speed, the physicality, and then also the creativity that makes the Russians so cool to watch and that, you know, made guys like Alexei Kovlev really go down in, in history in the NHL. Right. I am. I, I mean, I love me some Russian players. I've got down. I've, I've hooked my wings to a lot of uh, <laughs> ex-Russian players who did not make it. One, Evgeny Grachev, former <laughs> Brampton Battalion. Uh, but I think a lot of times, I really think they're ill-equipped. You get here, things got to be in place. As far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, you got scouts all over the world. They should have liaisons between the players. Yes. You know, and I don't care if Chris Kreider can speak, speak Russian, but he's not going to be taking, you know, crafts uh, off to, you know, Brighton Beach. May show him this culture over here for you. This, you know, there's a, a community here. And it's very overwhelming for young kids today. And the pressure is immense. I mean, the pressure is immense. And I, again, I want to reckon, I thought the kid played very well. Uh, and he's growing into his body. He's a big kid. He's a big kid. He's 6'3", yeah. and he weighs like 189. And I keep bringing up the Kovalev comparison, but it's an easy one. Kovalev's 6'2", so he's actually shorter than Kravtsov. And by the end of his NHL career, he was 222. But he started in the 100s. Like, when you look at him in 94, pouring the, the champagne on the troll doll, he looks like a shrimp compared to what he looked like at the end of his NHL career. So Kravtsov has mental development, but he has a huge amount of physical development ahead of him, too. Jillian, can you can you make Eddie's day and give him an Evgeny Grachev update? Isn't Grachev in the KHL? Is he? He might be. I have to double check it. She's probably. I, like I don't know. I actually, I, don't, I have not followed him even Omsk? for a second. <laughs> With Avangard, I believe. Oh yeah, he's, that's right. He is playing for Avangard. Avangard is stacked at the moment, though. Have you? Do you know Slava Voinov is over there? Really? Yeah. 
You can, yeah. uh, he's escaped the charges over there. Yeah, uh, he's, he's, he's in exile. Started in exile. Yeah, the LA King said no, NHL said no, and yeah, he went nah. right back over to Russia. He's pretty much blacklisted here in the NHL. And then what about Kuznetsov? I, there's, I, I know he's got some problems with international play. Does that uh, flow, kind of spill over to the KHL, or is that just a different entity? No, it won't. His impact with the, the IHF international play won't impact his ability to negotiate in the KHL should he choose to. So, I, And I suspect that if he wanted to come over to the KHL tomorrow, they'd be like, come on over. <laughs> <laughs> we got Slava over here. He did something worse. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really don't care in that KHL. They don't really care what you've done, huh? No, yeah, he would. He would be welcomed with open arms. They're not really care about optics. It's the bottom line. It's hockey. Yeah, for sure. Right, so. For sure. So, can you give us a little more? I know you. Uh, you recently interviewed Kovalev, right? I, yes, I did, and I just saw him about a, two weeks ago in China. Now, what is what is Alexei Kovalev doing in China? So Alexei Kovalev is the assistant coach of Kunlun Red Star, which is the team that I've worked as the locker room reporter for um, for the past season and a half. And they are the KHL's newest expansion team. Um, they're almost entirely North American. And right now he's serving under Kurt Frazier, who was once the head coach of the Atlanta Thrashers. Then he was in the Dallas Stars organization. So Kovalev's working right under him. Um, and Kovalev is actually doing a great job because this this is his coaching debut. Last season would have been his first season. Right now he's running Kunlin's power play, which has gotten just more and more solid over time. Um, but what's crazy about Kovalev is that he's 46 and he could absolutely still play. And last season Kunlin was hit with so many injuries that they actually toyed with putting him out on the ice somewhere around December of last season. So really? Finn is always floating up there as a possibility. Like I, I know for a fact he's still listed. So he's, you know, he's, he's transitioning into coaching, but he still has the skills and the, I mean, he has just this unbelievable stride. Like he, when you watch him move across the ice, like he'll skate these guys to death after practice and his energy efficiency is unbelievable. Like everybody else is, keeled over and panting and Kovalev is like practically doing a figure eight up and down the ice. But yeah, he's, um, he's doing really well over at Kumun. And, you know, I think that his, his intentions would be to someday coach in the NHL, but you know, as far as, as, as coaching goes, he would be an unbelievable skills coach. I don't think that's necessarily what he wants to do, but when I watch him go out and work one-on-one with these guys, like he still has it, you know, it's, it's really quite amazing to watch a coach be able to demonstrate. That's not so common. So he's forty six now. He is, yeah. Well, Yager's still doing it. He's they showed him. He's playing in a Czech league. He's forty seven. So well, he Kovalev is in a feud. Well, Kovalev feuds a, a little bit, and and he's had a couple notorious ones over the years. But one of them is with um, Krikanov, who used to be the head coach of the Russian national team, and he's now the head coach of Dynamo Moscow, which is the team that Kovalev started on. And Kovalev retired, but then he came out of retirement to play in the Swiss league when he was the GM because they had some kind of injury and he got back out on the ice for his, like the imports rule. Mm -hmm. I said to Krikanov, because I just read, I saw him just a, a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, if Kovalev wanted to come back and play one game for his childhood club, would you let him do it? Like, I know the two of you don't get along and, you know, you accused him of being the reason that you guys lost in Torino and everything else. But like, would you do it? And he, Krikanov's kind of surly. He's like an old Russian man. He just was like laughing it off. And then he looked at me and he's like, you know what? 
Honestly, end of the season, maybe. So I don't know. I'm voting for one more game for Alexi Koblev. I don't know if he is, but I think it would be kind of cool to see him back out one more time while he still could do it. Yep. And a young Alexei Kovalev, without him, the New York Rangers don't win that Stanley Cup. He had a terrific, terrific run there. I he mean, did back in ter- terrific, just terrific. And uh, they would not have won. I mean, there were a lot of components of that Stanley Cup, but uh, having a young guy like him and just his exuberance. Cause yeah. he, I, I, he looks like one of those guys, like still kind of childlike in a way. Like 100%. he's like a prankster, a guy's you know, fun-loving um, yeah, he's he's a funny guy, and he like his love for hockey is just I mean it's unmatched. I mean he gets out on the ice and he wants to play two on two and three on three after practice. He and every time he plays, he wins. So he still has the very much like not only that childlike love for hockey, but he also still has that confidence that was like so incredible about him when he played. So. You know, Kovalev, he's the same guy that he was when he, you know, had the troll and they lost it and found it. He's the exact same just a couple years later. (laughs) Yeah, it's my little man. It's my man. (laughs) But he speaks better English now. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. All right, Jillian. Well, thank you so much. Yes, Jillian, thank you so much. We appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah, I I feel so much more knowledgeable about the KHL and how it works. And I and I feel more confident about Kravtsov now. Uh, this can. is going to work, Eddie. We're going to make this second time around this, this so. rebound relationship. We're going to make it work now. I, I, I even I even said on Twitter, I was like, Vitaly, I'm studying Russian. You're saying English. Let's carpool karaoke at some day. Yeah. You, you know, like, let's really, do it. Uh, I'm here. You're the perfect liaison to get him, <laughs> uh, you know, on the right track and let him know what's what. You know, because Hartford is not like. Let's speak. Let's talk frankly. Hartford is not a place. It's not a thriving city. <laughs> it's not, it's really boring, and it's really like the, the, the arena is very old. It's it's not. It's just not conducive to like you know fun and you know and going up. But the the Wolfpack are doing very well. He'll be there with Shestyorkin. You know, maybe he'll get some help. As long as you're winning, everything's good. So maybe uh, I think it's going to work out this time. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Rangers need to have Kraftsoff up uh, and, and playing on a regular basis. Yeah, he's he's coming from a city that's not so great in Siberia either. So don't don't just talk hard. That's true. I, I don't All think, right. Anyway, go ahead, Jim. All right, Jillian. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great holiday. You Safe too. travels wherever you're headed, and uh, we'll talk Thank again you. during the season. I hope. Sounds good. Looking forward. All right. Take care. Take, Take care. care. Good night. That's pretty cool. I, uh, I, I, most of what she was saying about the KHL, I did not know. I know nothing about the KHL, so no, it was very informative. Yes, I didn't know they played on three different ranks. That's crazy. Uh, that league is just crazy. <laughs> I mean, they're really, expanding in China, and, wow. in China, yeah, they're expanding in China. Is that like real China or like Hong Kong China? I, I don't know. Should, why did you ask Julia what she was here? We just had an expert on. She's in the locker rooms in China. And you asking me? I, I don't know. I uh, got hung up in the Grachev banter. <laughs> well, make sure if you're on Twitter, make sure you follow Jillian and uh, and, and you can uh, check out her links and her website. And she does she does a good job. She knows her stuff. So, oh, definitely, very impressed. <clears throat> All right. So anything else, Robin? 
No, that's about it, man. You want to call this a night? I know you're you're uh, you're not feeling I'm your best. The weather. Let oh, me uh, let me just check. Take a quick gander at the schedule here before we uh, before we like say good night. Friday. <laughs> I'm in Toronto. That's <laughs> all I can think of every time I heard him mention Toronto. An original six matchup. I'm in Toronto. My cardiologist, Harold Mishkin. Uh, let me see here. Toronto, I think, is yeah, that's Friday. And then it's kids' day again. We're doing this again with the kids. Uh, Sunday afternoon. Oh, I love these. I love it when the Rangers play at the same uh, time as the Giants. That's such smart scheduling. Well, how about um, – all right, so let me ask you this. There's, there's a game Friday night against Toronto – then they've got a game Sunday afternoon against the Ducks, and then they play Monday night, which is against the Flyers. How do you feel about a Sunday evening show? Yeah, because, that could work. Because they play Monday, and then the next day is Christmas Eve. The next day is Christmas Day. Megan's coming the next day. I got Jimmy's coming the day after that, so I'll be tied up the rest of at least next week. So if you want to do something maybe Sunday night, we can come on and – does that sound good what is that the 22nd what is that that is Hanukkah begins Uh, yes the 22nd Hanukkah begins Hanukkah begins the festival of lights the festival of lights the festival of frights with the New York Rangers yeah we'll we'll do a holiday spectacular show all right there you go the holiday armadillo the whole bit will will break out some old uh, some Christmas stuff. It'll be fun. Yeah, we will. Yes, but we can. We'll. Uh, that's right. I'm not going to be home. All right. Uh, tentative Sunday night. I'll have to see what time we're we uh, we have dinner plans, but I, right. I should be home. I should be home for a late, maybe a, like an eight o'clock show. Yeah, if that'll work. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's nothing okay. written in stone, but we'll we'll go with that as uh, something we're discussing. Okay. All right. We'll see you guys then. We love you. Have a good week. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Let's go, Rangers. Let's go, Rangers. Check us out. Find us on iTunes, all that good stuff. Eddie, always a pleasure. Mazel tov. Always a pleasure as well. All right. We'll see you guys later. We love you. Get out, everybody. Ugh!